they've done an outstanding job today. Um, and, and I really appreciate them, appreciate Pastor Corey and the kids uh, for coming in. And uh, so we are, uh, I do want to say this, if you're interested in uh, being a part of kids ministry or nursery ministry, uh, you can text kids, the word kids, just text that one word kids to 912-400-0556. If you are a first-time guest, you can text the word hello to 912-400-0556. Uh, this 912 is kind of the catch-all of, of texting, and so if you're interested in being part of kids' ministry or nursery ministry or even youth ministry, um, if you'll, you'll text, you can text either kids, you can text youth, um, or if you're a first-time guest, text the word hello. We are glad that you're here. Whether you're first-time or whether you're a long-time uh, friend, uh, thanks for being here this morning on Student Takeover Sunday. Now, this morning, we are starting a new series of messages um, that's going to carry us through the month of February. <coughs> and last month, we talked about stewardship. This month, we're going to talk about relationship. So we're still on the ship, Right? Uh, last month was stewardship, this month is relationship, um, and we're kind of going with a games theme, and that's what this series is called, it's called The Games People Play, and, um, and so I, we, we play games around my house, we, we love games, but even like the kids when they were little, uh, we would play games, um, we would play hide and seek, we haven't done that in a little while, I think uh, one of us got hurt and ran into the, you know, so we stopped playing that. But, um, and, and I got too big to hide anywhere, so uh, <laughs> we don't have closets big enough for me anymore. Uh, anyways, uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, but we, we played games, and uh, they're games that we love to play. I know me and Raina, even before we had kids, we, we'd play Scrabble. We'd sit around and play Scrabble. We would we'd play card games. We played Uno. Anybody Uno fans? You know, yeah, Uno Attack. Yeah, you know, and so uh, we love we love games. We we used to play Monopoly. Used to is the key phrase there. We don't play Monopoly anymore. At Raina, she used to get violent and out of control, and so we decided that wasn't. I'll I'll catch that later. Um, no, uh, we 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 love games. We love games. So we thought this was a good metaphor to help us talk about some of the things that we need to talk about because we're talking about relationships. And specifically because today is Student Takeover Sunday and we've had our kids in, we've had our students leading us in worship, um, I really want to talk about, um, you know, about our, our family relationships in terms of parenting and uh, what that looks like. And, and so you say, well, you know, um, I'm, I'm way beyond that or I'm not there yet or this doesn't apply to me. I, I, if, you'll, if you'll just hold, hold with me here, I think there's enough here to apply to, to all of us. Um, because at some point we have influence over someone else's life. Uh, whether you're an actual biological parent or whether you get the chance to influence a child's life, they are watching us. Uh, they are uh, looking at how we live, um, and so it, it's important in how we live. Now, we play, um, me and Raina, we love playing spades. Anybody play spades, spades players? We love playing spades, and I know everybody's got their own different kind of take on it. You know, it's like, hey, do you play with the two? Do you play with the joker? Do you play, you know, and, and we, we have a way that we play. Um, 
and um, and usually me and Rainer are on opposite teams. You know, we we don't we can't be on the same team. Uh, I think that's even better for us. The competitive nature between us, you know, we we like to kind of go back and forth. And usually it's it's her and her sister, and me and my brother-in-law. We're playing on teams, and so you know we are we are looking for that that ace of spades, right? We're looking. Everybody should have got a card this morning. You you should have a a a playing card. Uh, I, I went to the store this morning. I, f- I forgot to do this, pick these cards up last night. So I went to the uh, store down here this morning on the, on the corner of the Shell Mart. And I walked in there and like, hey, do you have any playing cards? He's like, yeah, do you want the blue ones or the red ones? I said, like, I want all of them. <laughs> all the cards you have. And so uh, so that hopefully everybody got a card this morning. He just kind of looked at me. He's like, you got a big game coming up? I said, I'm going to church. I don't <laughs> he just kind of looked at me like, uh, what kind of church is this? You know, <laughs> you know. So, uh, and I may get in trouble. I don't know. I, you know, cards were always one of those things I wasn't supposed to supposed to play. You know, and so we're not gambling or anything like that. But um, you know, we love playing spades. And and spades, if if you know anything about spades, or even even a lot of card games like Uno, um, they they follow patterns. You have to follow a pattern to play the game, right? And so. Um, you have to follow suit. So if someone lays down, you know, um, a club, and I've got the king of clubs here. If somebody lays down, whoever starts the game, starts that, that, that hand, and they lay down a club, if you have clubs in your hand, you have to lay down a club, right? Okay, you're, you're with me. All right, good. And so th- that's, that's kind of how, um, kind of how these, these card games work, whether you play Rook or or any of these other games that, that, that kind of follow the similar, a similar pattern. Uno, uh, you know, if, if someone lays down a blue three, you have to either lay down a three or a blue card, right? And so you just kind of have to, you ha- you're having to go through and follow these patterns. Now, the only time that you can break the pattern is when you don't have, in spades specifically, when you don't have that suit of cards, you can begin to throw out something else. And that's when you can actually begin to throw out your spades, uh, spade being the, the trump cards, um, that you start, you start trumping everybody else's card depending on what they've thrown out, unless they've thrown out a higher spade. And when I thought about this and thinking about, you know, the patterns that, that go around and everybody, and you're kind of doing that, anybody kind of doing the mental math in your head? You know, as you're, you're playing card games, like, what's been thrown out? What hasn't been thrown out? I haven't seen this card yet. And so you're hoping that your partner can cover you if you make a risky play, right? And so you're thinking, you're trying to think through what's going to happen next. Where are these, these patterns? And you're trying to pick up on these things. And patterns play a lot into card games. And you cannot break the pattern until you're out of those cards. So... Parents, what you need to know, how does, this, how does this have anything to do with parenting? Things I want you to know is this. Parents, when you set the pattern for your children, you can expect them to follow suit. Right? When you set the pattern for your kids, the expectation is that whatever pattern you set, that's what they're going to follow. Whether that's good or whether that's bad. Right? It can be. It can go either way, and and so and so whether you're playing, you know, cards, you're throwing out, and you're saying, "Hey, there's a pattern that we're following." What are you throwing out as a parent? 
What does your home look like? What is your, your style of parenting? Or, or even grandparents, think about this. You're not off the hook, right? Because there are kids coming along that are watching you. They're seeing what you're doing, and so they're picking up on what you're laying down. They are going to follow suit, and that's where that term comes from, is playing cards, basically. They're going to follow suit with the pattern that you have set. So whatever behavior you model is the pattern your children will follow. Whatever behavior that you model is the pattern that your children will follow. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 22 and uh, verse 6. And I'm reading out of the New uh, Living Translation this morning. I know it may look a little bit different. This is a little bit of a, of a difference from uh, what I usually read out of. I wanted to, to read out of the New Living Translation this morning. So Proverbs 22, 6, this is what it says. It says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. You know, the inverse can also be true. If you direct your children onto the wrong path, when they are older, they will not leave it. See, that's the thing about it. These, these, these proverbs are principles. They are principles that says if you live this way, this is the result of living this way. This is what this looks like. And so this is the positive nature of looking at Proverbs 22, 6. It's like, listen, if you put them on the right path, you know what? If you model this right behavior, you can expect them to follow along with you. Now, I know there, there are times when, um, you know, you have kids. Now, they can make their own choices, right? And sometimes they don't always make the right choices. But, see, that's what parenting is about, is that we're there to be a place to guide them back to the right path. You know, and kids are going to mess up. How many of your kids messed up? I'm not saying, how many of your kids are messed up? I didn't say, that's kind of how that came out. So we're like, my kid's messed up. <laughs> you know, how many of your kids have messed up before, right? Uh, they have at some point, you know. And how many of you have messed up uh, when you were a kid, right? And so it's not that we're not going to fail. Failure is, is it's not the thing. So, well, you know what, we're just, we're just done. You messed up. No, that's, that's not how this works. It's, it's when you fail, you've got someone there to help put you back on the right path, you know. And so that's what we want. We want it to be a safe place for kids to fail so that when they do fail, you can pick them up and say, this is what this looks like. This is what restoration looks like. This is what being on the right path looks like. And so whatever behavior that you model is the pattern your children will follow. I don't know about any of you guys, but any of you guys, sometimes when you read the Bible and you, you look at things in the Bible and you think, man, this the, uh, everybody in the Bible sometimes just kind of seems like they have this this situation where it just seems like uh, God just shows up and everything just kind of works out, right? And, and if you've ever kind of held your life up against people in the Bible, sometimes we haven't read far enough because um, there are biblical families that have their own dysfunctions, right? Right? There, if you look at the stories really and deep enough, you'll find that even biblical families have their own dysfunction. Somebody said, well, my family has dysfunction. We put the funk in dysfunction, right? We are there. We are, that's, that's my family. And so I want us to look at some of the patterns this morning that, that just have been set that we can find in Scripture. And I'm, I'm going to be in a lot of different places, so there's not just one Scripture, but I, you can kind of take these stories as, as a whole. If you look at the story of Abraham, Abraham, Father Abraham, right? 
Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. Yeah, so, so Father Abraham, he is the guy who got the promise, the covenant from God. If you go read Genesis chapter 12, God makes a covenant with Abraham. says, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. He calls him out of Ur. Uh, he calls him from his father's house and asks him to go uh, to another land. And he says, listen, I am going to make you a blessed person, and I want you to be a blessing. But at times, Abraham did not live his life in that way. At times, Abraham did not choose blessing for the people that he was around because Abraham lied about his wife, Sarah. Abraham lied about his wife, Sarah, and, and he went to a place called Gerar, and he said, hey, listen, uh, she's not my wife. He didn't say she's my wife. He said, she's my sister. He says, I better lie about who you really are because you're so beautiful. These guys are going to kill me, and they're going to take you from me. So he lied about who she was, saying that she was his sister instead of being his wife. And Abimelech, which is the king of that region, was going to take Sarah for his wife until God said, hey, you can't do this thing. And said, Abraham has lied to you. He's been deceitful with you. And he comes to Abraham and he says, hey, listen, what's this thing that you've done? And, and so we see that Abraham has this pattern of lying. And we see it play out in his family. His son Isaac, it's, it's so crazy. His son Isaac does the exact same thing. Isaac, if you go read, lies about his wife and says she's his sister because he's scared too. And who does he lie to? He lies to the son of the person that, that Abraham told the lie to. In the same place, in the same city, the same lie to almost the same person. And so Abraham lived this lie. Isaac lived this lie. And then you get to Jacob. And Jacob, what is Jacob? Jacob is known as a deceiver. And it just seems like it just keeps this pattern of, of deceitfulness going in their life. You can see King David. King David has a problem with lust and infidelity. How does that play out in his family? He's got a son named Amnon who goes and rapes his sister Tamar. And that, that whole debacle plays out to where Absalom comes and kills his brother over what has happened. And then Absalom and, and David lock up. And David has this dysfunction in his family because there's this, this pattern of lust that is being played out in his children. His son Solomon that becomes king after him. Solomon has 700 wives and concubines, right? And so you begin to see that this is something that is not in control in his family. And even though David is a man after God's own heart, and we see, we see that there are patterns of just horrible choices in their life. Rebecca, if you look at Rebecca, um, the uh, wife of Isaac, Rebecca showed favoritism with Jacob, her son. And in turn, Jacob turned and showed favoritism to one of his sons over the other 11. And, and so you see this play out. You see this story play out. And there's all these patterns and it's in here for a reason, guys. It's not just so that they can tell a story and just say, hey, look how bad people were. It's, it's to tell a story and say, listen, when you set patterns, it's difficult for people to break them. Broken patterns can produce broken lives. When you live a pattern that is broken, you live this broken, broken choices, and you just keep doing the same thing over, what, you can, what happens is you just pass that along. 
Now, I know sometimes in church we hear about things called generational curses. Anybody ever heard of anything called a generational curse? And, and I know sometimes you think about generational curses and you think, wow, they, that, that sounds kind of creepy and kind of scary. The thing about a generational curse is this, is I don't really believe in generational curses. I, I, I believe in generational consequences. I don't believe in generational curse. What's a curse? A curse is you making a choice to bring something bad upon you because you chose something bad. Actually, that's how the Bible depicts it. It's not just you have no choice in this. It's not just, hey, wow, this spooky thing of a generational curse is on me and I can't shake it. No, you get a choice. You get a choice whether you're going to participate in this thing or not. And so um, I, I don't really believe in generational curses. I believe in generational consequences. We don't bear the condemnation of our parents' sins. We, I'm not going to stand... At, for my parents' sins, stand in judgment for my parents' sins. But you know what? I can bear the consequences of my parents' sins. And every one of us in here knows what that looks like. Every one of us in here has seen, either in our own family or families that we've been a part of, where we've looked and seen that family is suffering from the consequence of a choice of a parent or a grandparent or someone in their family has made. There's a ripple effect that goes out. And so broken patterns can produce broken lives. And we don't bear the, cons- the condemnation of our parents' sins, but we can bear the consequences of our parents' sins. The workaholic father that may produce children that feel that they can't, do, they can't ever do anything good enough, and they're always looking for more approval. The mom that abandons her family, and the children are left with this need to feel like they have these, this, this thing of commitment issues. The husband who abuses his wife, whether it's verbally or sexually or, or emotionally, and, and this plays out in the family because the sons may begin to exhibit similar patterns of behavior. And I've heard it said before that hurt people have a tendency of hurting other people. Uh, we, we see that. We see that you don't have to be a genius to look around and say, we see this. There are people who are hurting, and they inflict hurt on other people. And it's a pattern that just keeps getting passed along and passed along and passed along. This is the thing. You get a choice between blessing and cursing. And the Bible instructs us, instructs us in uh, Joshua. Joshua says, choose life. Choose life. You get a choice choose life. He says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We get a choice. I am choosing for me and my family. I'm choosing life. And so I'm imploring you parents, choose life for your home, for your marriage, for your parenting. Choose life. Choose Jesus. What does that look like? That looks like this in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. Romans 8 and 12. I want us to read this. It says, so dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Somebody needs to know that because at, up to this point, you may have thought, well, this is what my family has done. This is what my dad used to do. And so, man, I just, this is just part of who we are. And so the Bible is telling you right here, it says, you get a choice. You get a choice. Now, there may be consequences from these decisions that your parents have made, but 
But Scripture is telling each and every one of us, you get a choice on how you're going to participate in that. And you can say, I'm not going to do this. I am not going to live this way. I'm not going to raise the next generation of my family to live this way and be in this bondage and, and perpetuate this curse. I will not do that. I will not allow that. I am making a different choice today. And, I, and we see that in different places here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Can you put that up there, 2 Corinthians chapter 5? It says, this means that anyone who, who belongs to Christ has become a new person. And the old life is gone and a new life has begun. You get a choice. You get a choice. Second Corinthians chapter 10, this is, we find this. It says this. It says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. There are a lot of things we can fight with, but this is what we're told. It says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. And to destroy false arguments. Those false arguments to say, you can't be different than your parents. You can't live a different way. That's a false argument. That is a lie. You get a choice on what your home looks like. It goes on and says, we destroy every obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. This morning, we get a choice. You get a chance to break the cycle. You get a chance to break the pattern. You get a chance with your decisions, with what you choose to model in your home and in your marriage and in your relationships and how your work ethic and all this stuff. You get a choice and you get a chance to model something different. The lie is this, that you can't break free. The truth is this, is that Jesus makes us free people. Jesus gives us freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is a chance for me to make a different choice for my family, to live differently, to model something else, so that the next generation does not perpetuate the same curse that we've been passing through. Because we get a choice. And we choose blessing. We choose the blessing of God. We choose God's promises for us. We choose God's plan for us. We choose Jesus. This morning, I want us to take communion together. And Rain, if you can, give me bring me one of those. And I want you to go ahead and, and get ready to take this. You should have those on your seat there. And before we take we take communion, I'll. I always want us to stop and take stock of where we're at. I want us to stop and just say, hey, you know, we've got to pause and evaluate where's my life at? What have I allowed in? What have, what have I been modeling? This morning with heads bowed, heads bowed, I want you to look and say, what choices have I made? What choices have I made? What things have I modeled? I get a choice, and I'm choosing life. This morning, I just want us just to take just a moment and reflect on this. Where are you at with Jesus? Maybe you're distant. Maybe you know who He is, but you've not really followed Him. You've not committed your life. You've not surrendered your life to Him. And right now, you get a chance to do that. Maybe this morning, you have... Let a lot of things just continue to plague your family because you've allowed them to be there. You've modeled this. 
this morning, you get to make a different choice. So, Lord, we come to you now. And we look inward. We look at our heart. We look at our life. And we look at everything that we've allowed to taint and to, um, God, just mar and mark and damage our life. The decisions that we've made, Lord, God, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for the things that we've done and forgive us for the things that we should have done that we didn't do. Forgive us for sins of commission and forgive us of sins of omission. God, forgive us for these things where we've walked off track and we've modeled something for our kids and our grandkids and those maybe children that are in our neighborhood and that look up to us. We've modeled something different, something we've said, an attitude we've had, behavior we've displayed. This morning, we're asking for forgiveness. This morning right now, we're asking, Lord, to put us on the right track. So from here on out, what we model and, and the pattern that we set would be to point everyone to you, which points them to freedom, which points them to liberty, which points them to newness and a new life. So, Lord, that's what we ask. Bring newness to us. Bring a new life to us right now. Forgive us. Wash us clean right now, Lord. We ask this now in Jesus' name. If you'll take that cup, and depending on which version of this you have, you may have one that's on the bottom, one that's on the top. There should be a little piece of bread there. I want you to just take that little piece of bread out. I just want you to hold it up. Because Scripture tells us this. It says that when Jesus, before the Passover, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. We sang a song a little earlier, a song about gratitude, a song of thanks. And that's what Jesus did when he, he modeled this for us. See, this is Jesus is giving us a model. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we do this not only to follow the model of Jesus, but we also do it to participate in the life of Christ. So we hold this little piece of bread up. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the body of Jesus. We thank you for the physical body of Jesus who went to a cross and died for us to save us from our sins and our broken patterns and the curses that we bring on ourselves, the curses that we choose to allow into our life. Lord, you went to the cross and you broke the pattern for us. You made the stance. And on the cross, you said, it is finished. So Lord, when we do this and we come to you, we can participate in your life. We can participate in your freedom. We can participate in liberty. And that's what we do this for. To be people who are not dead, but people who are made alive. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your body. And we hold this little piece of bread up. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless this time. Let this be freedom for us. Let this be a new day for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Take and eat. We'll take, fill back a little cup with the juice in it.
Bible says that in the same manner, after supper, he took the cup and he blessed it, which means that he gave thanks again. This little cup of juice represents the blood of Jesus. And we say that it seems so violent, it seems so gruesome to think about what Jesus went through. But Jesus died so that we could have life. Jesus died so that we could experience new life in him. And so, Lord, we hold this little cup up. And we know this represents freedom and wholeness. And that's what I pray. I pray that we don't only do this for a spiritual newness and spiritual blessing. But, Lord, I pray that physically, God, that as we do this, our bodies, Lord, would would be blessed by you. Lord, our homes would be blessed by you. We thank you for the relationships that we have. We thank you for our marriages. Instead of fighting in our marriages, Lord, let us fight for our marriages. So, Lord, we hold this up. And we pray, Father, for newness in every bit of who we are, from our relationships to, Father, physically for us to spiritually and emotionally for us. We thank you for freedom. Take and drink. Can you stand with us this morning? Can we sing this together? Can you lead us in this?